Artist Podcast, produced by Imagine, your resource for early childhood music therapy. Imagine is produced by Della Vista Publisher and can be found on the web at www.imagine.musictherapy.biz. This podcast is entitled Coach Reading with Speech-Language Pathologists Before, During and After the Session and presented by Matthew Logan and Rachel C. Matthew is a pediatric music therapist at the UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital and Research Center in Oakland, California, and specialized in pediatric rehabilitation, oncology, and palliative care. He is the owner of musictherapysource.com, aperfectlullaby.com, and musictherapyguitarcoach.com. Rachel C. currently resides in St. Louis, Missouri, where she is a full-time music therapist with the Special School District of St. Louis County. She's the creator of musictherapymailings.com and the co-creator of musictherapyebooks.com. This podcast discusses practical tips and considerations for co-treating with speech-language pathologists to maximize client outcomes in medical and community settings. For this Imagine podcast, we are talking about collaborating with speech-language pathologists. You're here with Matt Logan and... Rachel C. Yes, and we both... Uh, collaborate with speech-language pathologists on a fairly regular basis, but in slightly different settings. Um, Rachel, tell us about your setting. Yeah, so I work uh, in a variety of settings. Right now, I have my own private practice, Music Therapy Services of Austin, and I travel around the city. I work in a therapeutic day clinic. I work in the school districts, and I also work in the client home. Okay, so that's quite a few different settings. And I'm in a pediatric hospital, and most of my collaboration happens in our pediatric inpatient uh, rehabilitation unit, although sometimes I'm working with other patients too. So I think that co-treating with speech-language pathologists, it, uh, is probably, there are probably more similarities and differences for us. So what we'll be talking about are some tips for collaborating with SLPs. We're going to talk about what happens before the session to establish a relationship, uh, what can happen during the session, and then follow-up. So, let's dive right in, Rachel. All righty. Okay, so before the session even happens, how do you make a co-treat happen? So, what I do, and what I keep in mind, is that you're going to want to have establish a good relationship with that therapist. I think, uh, more often than not, uh, people just kind of dive in with these blinders on, and, you know, that's going to, you want to make sure you avoid any toe-stepping. So... Uh, you're going to make sure that they know that you're on a level playing field with them, just like you want to know, want to tell them that you respect what they do and you know your respective scopes of practice. And um, so just making sure that you all are on the same team. They know about what a music therapist is. You've done your research on what a speech-language pathologist is. And then um, that's even before, you know, the session starts and you just go out there to try to develop a good relationship and, you know, do the best that you can in order to collaborate or co-treat for that patient. Mm-hmm. And then there's a certain amount of education about music therapy that happens too. So for me, that meant when I was first becoming integrated with the rehab team, it meant talking to the speech therapist in rounds or even outside of rounds saying, hey, what are your goals? I'd like to address them a little bit and here's how I'm going to do it. And then that led to co-treating opportunities. And then once I was co-treating with one or two therapists, then other therapists in the rehab gym started noticing and asking about how music therapy could be 
integrated into their treatment too. So what did that look like for you? So for example, when I went into the therapeutic day clinic, they currently had occupational therapy and speech language pathology. And I wanted to make sure that I kind of put my foot in the door and brought along, brought in music therapy. So what I did, I made sure that I made this packet of materials. I had it ready. I asked if I could do a presentation on what music therapy was, but then I also asked them if I could do an open house. So that way they could observe me in action, but I also asked them if you know they wanted to bring all the therapists with all their clients at that, that moment in time to the gym area. So we were all gathered there. I had my guitar and some materials and instruments, and I asked each of the therapists what their goals were that they were working on. And then you kind of go through your Rolodex of ideas and activities on how you could help address those goals. And so they could see me in action, caring about what they do as a professional, but also trying to insert my strategies and interventions that might elicit some other responses that they might not have seen in other environments. That way they could see it firsthand and how music therapy could work as a successful collaboration. And so then they brought me on board to that, that therapy day clinic. And it's been a great collaboration and co-treatment experience for sure. Mm-hmm. So advocating within your community is important, but Rachel, you've also done some advocating outside of your immediate community, which might create co-treating situations for other music therapists. Can you talk about that? Exactly. I think it's important to not only be in your music therapy world, but also to just be in the therapy world in general. And so because my undergraduate is in communication disorders, I felt like I kind of um, had a good idea about what speech pathologists do and their education and their background. And I wanted to make sure that uh, since speech therapy is a passion of mine and collaborating with speech language pathologist is a passion. I reached out to ASHA, the American Speech and Language Hearing Association, and they have a blog. And I asked, would you be interested if I wrote a blog post, an article about speech and music therapy collaboration? So they accepted it and published it. And I got lots of emails from speech language pathologists interested. And that kind of led to other projects and eBooks and presentations, and then um, just kind of looking, you know, there are lots of podcasts about therapies, and there was a Start a Private Practice podcast that I was interviewed for, and I was the first music therapist that was interviewed for that podcast, but I wanted to make sure we got our name out there, not not my name, but the music therapy name. He had interviewed SLPs, PTs, OTs, and I was like, oh, this person needs a music therapist on mm-hmm. here, so that's why I contacted him. He interviewed me, and so then that also brings about a little bit more advocacy about what music therapists are about. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I know I'm going to look for that blog post and send it to the SLPs uh, on my team. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah. Now let's talk about uh, how a, what, a, what a session looks like and how to approach a session. So before we just jump in, we want to talk a bit with the SLP and determine the goals up front and really have an understanding of what what each therapist is working on because our goals might overlap, but there also might be some discipline specific goals. We might be working on some social goals or uh, emotional goals, as well as the cognitive and speech goals that a therapist might, uh, speech language uh, pathologist might be working on as well. What do you do before a session, Rachel? So um, before a session, I think it's our job to communicate with the speech language pathologist to see you know, if this is the first time you're, you're collaborating with them and co-treating with them, to have them know 
that you're not just trying to take over the session, that you want their input along the way. You want to know what goals they're working on. You want them to, you know, feel comfortable to interject whenever, you know, even if it's in the middle of a song or whatnot, to interject, you know, their expertise. And I think, you know, if you can teach them the song beforehand, great. If you can teach them along the way, fantastic. If you can record the song maybe and, and send it to them so then... They can not only, you know, practice on their own with the kid if you're not there, that you can, they can send it home with the family just to make sure that you can, like, transfer all the skills. But I think beforehand you're going to define those goals and, and know your respective jobs, but also make a warm environment in which you can feed off of each other. So mm-hmm. just allowing them to know that. Great. Yeah, and those respective jobs um... – I guess more specifically would be the music therapist job is really to identify songs and instruments and interventions that really support that patient or student or client's goals. And the SLP's job is to insert themselves, to teach the strategies for eliciting those responses, right? Just for an example, the other day, uh, the speech therapist, the speech language pathologist, she was doing some mouth work. So basically just oral motor musculature strengthening, right? So I, I was noticing that she had these like really cute ways to elicit the responses that she wanted and, you know, ways to move the jaw and the lips and the teeth and the, and the tongue. And so, so she was saying, you know, like stretch like a giraffe and they'd have to stick their tongue out and up towards their nose or brush your teeth with your tongue. And so I was like, oh, well, this could be a perfect opportunity for a song. My tongue can do all kinds of things. It can help me talk. It can help me sing. That's not all it can do. If you listen close, I'll give you a clue. My tongue can be a toothbrush. Watching, you can see. My tongue can be a toothbrush. Brush like me. Here we go. Uh, 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 uh. You know, so then you can do like the dog's tail. You stick the tongue out back and forth, wagging it back and forth. You can have them come up with some verses, you know. So there are a lot of ways to, to work with that. But yeah, now she uses that song and it's it's pretty fun. That is so fun. I love it. I'm going to use that. Good. <laughs> All right. So the final segment, I guess, of our podcast is then what happens after the session? What do you do for follow-up? We discussed that we will both go and do our separate notes and documentation. I always address that it was a co-treat with the SLP, and I might note uh, some of the progress on their specific goals. And then I'll usually say for more details, please see the SLP note from such and such, just to guide the viewer if they're really looking for those speech-specific goals that are um, a little bit more within their uh, scope of practice, but in terms of what responses we've seen and especially what has happened socially and emotionally in other, and in other domains that we address, I'll, uh, I'll go into more detail for that. Yeah. And I think, um, for me, for follow-up, you know, it looks different in different situations, you know, it looked different for the school system than, uh, versus the therapeutic day clinic. But for example, you know, after we were done doing a co-treatment, uh, at, this place called Language and Movement, where I work, uh, I'll go out to the lobby with the speech-language pathologist and talk to the parent. You know, we both have our ideas and, and what we saw in the session, and and um, that way the, the, the parent knows, you know, what exactly is happening in the session with the music therapist and the speech-language pathologist. Um, you know, I'm not just the music lady coming in. I, mm-hmm. I have um, ideas and interventions and things of how they're, you know, how I, I perceive their child uh, doing in that session. 
And, um, you know, I think, yeah, we do our own notes and, and whatnot, but um, just making sure that you have the ability to help transfer those skills and, you know, make sure that they don't need that song every time. So just fading out the, the songs that you've used and, and, and whatnot. But I think, um, you know, it's a whole different topic to get into billing and payment and all that kind of thing. You know, you're going to have different situations in every clinic. One final thing I'll say about the follow-up is that oftentimes I find myself bringing in those speech goals or supporting them in, in one-to-one sessions that I'm able to have further down the road. So in, in addition, one of the great things about being a music therapist is that we can work on so many different domains. So I can be working on supporting some of those speech goals while also working on social, emotional goals related to coping and related to supporting child development. So that's, uh, yeah. Kind of all encompassing. Like you can incorporate so many different goals into one thing. You're right. Exactly. And that's, you know, sometimes I'm incorporating goals that I've, uh, that have been established in physical therapy and then occupational therapy too, because I get to co-treat with a lot of different individuals, which is nice. So we better wrap this thing up. We want to thank everyone for listening and we hope you've got some tools for getting out there and collaborating with a speech language pathologist soon. Thanks you guys. Podcast produced in 2014.